The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute Competition, like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. It's strange, Brandon. It's very strange that The Net Live is on at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time on a Tuesday. What? How did that even happen? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's, uh, schedules are a nightmare. It's the end of the summer. So we're coming at you with a late-night show, 8.30 p.m., but we're going to be here for the next two hours uh, not talking about volleyball. Welcome, everybody. Kevin Barnett here in the home court. Oh, look, we're starting over again. See, already things are going wrong. You know DJ Roche is not here. So he is actually kind of useful. He, end, right? he, is, he is very useful. When he has the other computers going, he has everything else over there. But I've, I like what you've brought here, Adele and an iPad with a cool stand. It looks like it's uh, articulated. It looks like it's going to crawl away or something. Yeah, well, you've got to be versatile. That's what I've learned in life. That's so what, what I've learned in the past 48 hours. Welcome to the home court. Kevin Barnett holding it down as per usual. DJ Jeremy Rouché. We will hear from him shortly. He is in between gigs, in between AVP gigs, out across the United States, Cincinnati, this past week. And so we have sitting in one of our old friends, uh, now head coach, out there at Cal Bap University. Just last year was your first year. Here's the second season. And uh, Brandon, Rose, Brandon Rosenthal. Brandon Higa has taken the time to uh, come down and sit in. Wow, I'm totally in Brandon Rosenthal's shadow. And I get that. I get that. You know, <laughs> He's we, earned it. We will hear from Brandon Rosenthal later as a part of College Volleyball Weekly. We will, of course, go through some of the early college action. I have to pull out the sheet from last week and see what we were supposed to watch. He was uh, texting me all week telling me about how uh, he was correct. That was what it was all about. Look, I called this match. I called that match. That was fun. <laughs> Women's Grand Prix is over. Take a look at that. Uh, U.S. men's program, about two and a half weeks till Norseka. That's qualifiers for the world event this year. Also, a uh, little news on the UOP men's program out there. Those have heard that uh, UOP is on the chopping block. We have some inside info from someone in the know up there at UOP. We'll relay some of that to you and have discussions surrounding that. And we will also have, coming up at 9 o'clock here Pacific, Cincinnati Open AVP champion Emily Day. How about that, Brandon Higa? You coached Emily Day in college at Loyola Marymount during your uh, 12 years of free coaching you provided uh, this University of Loyola Marymount. Well, it was big time for her to win. She's been uh, surging this summer had a couple really good finishes in FIVB events and has finally, uh, I guess, uh, got a jewel in the crown, shall we say. Can, can we say that she choked it away with her partner, Summer Ross, at the Long Beach event? She certainly had her chances to win. Yeah. I, I felt like there was a team that surged and played really well, and that was the first time that I thought, maybe Summer Ross made the right decision here. Maybe going pro was good for Summer Ross. Well, the results don't lie. They finished, I think they finished fifth in Gestad in July, 
Force. Gestad. Gestad. Is that how you say it? Gestad. I've got to get my Stod. Stod. Uh, think of Sean Connery. Stod. Gestad. Stod. And then they follow it up with a fourth in Long Beach, and then they go ahead and win in Cincy. So I'd be interested to uh, I'm interested to hear a little bit of Emily's reaction to what happened in Long Beach, how close they really felt they were, and what kind of adjustments they made to put them over the top. Because they had a great tournament uh, in Cincinnati to go from qualifying to winning, and they put together a couple of amazing matches, uh, beating uh, beating Walsh and Pavlik handily two times. Uh, and that's the team that what just won, just got their name on the pier they two did, weeks ago. They did. It was a name on the pier, I believe, sixth time for Walsh and Walsh Jennings and then Whitney Pavlik. And we talked about this last week. Worth saying again, third time in a row. Third time in a row. That's in ridiculous. A row. Yeah. But what's even more ridiculous is Emily and Summer, they literally run them over. I mean, it was what? They beat them twice in Cincy, 19-15 and 15-11 in the finals. What? 15-11. So we'll hopefully get the whole story. Uh, I know she won't frame it quite like that, but golly, 15-11. and 11. I remember getting beat that bad back in the day, but, I mean, hey, <laughs> I've never even uh, been to the Olympics as a tourist, so... There you go. Well, that needs to change. Emily Day, we had some good audio with her after Long Beach. We heard that. We heard from her a little bit after that event. Uh, she sounded pretty upbeat about it, and, and I think deservedly so. The one criticism I had of that team was when it got down to crunch time, when it got down to the last bit of those sets, when they had chances to take sets, take matches, all of a sudden they were shooting. It's not a shooting team. Emily Day is bombs away. And that could be a T-shirt. I want to see Laura Day in the stands with that one on. Emily Day is bombs away. Hey, that rhymes. Because she plays outdoor like indoor, and anybody who does that is my hero. Get out there and hit the ball. Nobody wants to see you go jumbo to the corner, all right, except the old farts down here at uh, Marine Street. They would love the jumbo. They get really excited about it, and then they need a drink. That's big court stuff right there. Yeah. We don't want any of that. Now, small court, hit the ball. So I love that... Uh, that Emily Day has broken through. I'm looking forward to talking to her. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun. Now I did mention Summer Ross, her partner, and the issue of turning pro. Something we talked about on the show a few times when she decided to forego the rest of college and college scholarship opportunities. Mind you, originally she started at Washington, then transferred down to Pepperdine. Decided to start focusing on Beach. Uh, two-time champion, I believe, uh, individually for Beach, and really. At the time, it seemed like a very questionable decision. Very questionable. What are you doing? It's the worst time for beach volleyball in probably the last 20 years, and you're going to jump in with both feet. Well, you better win a lot if you're going to jump in with both feet. You're actually going to make money and make this a career and, and go to Rio and forego the education. And I think after Long Beach, I, I thought maybe this is a good idea. We've seen more sustained performance from summer. Hey, I jumped out of school myself. My eligibility was up, <laughs> but but I would have stayed and played if I had one more year because uh, it was the beginning of the Olympic cycle, much like summer. There's no hurry. She is winning. It's working out well. I'm happy for her. I hope that that continues. Yeah, well, she's, what, 20 years old Yeah. now? Just just 20? Um, yeah, we understand the uh, the financials of it. I mean, giving up a scholarship to Pepperdine, that's 50 grand a year. 
that you're putting in the bank. But, you know, I actually kind of commend her for making that decision because it, it, I don't know her. I've never talked to her. But it sounds like she made a decision. She was dominating the college scene. She made a decision from a competitor's standpoint. And, listen, NCAA, college sports, the student athlete, that whole bit, that's great and nice. But I think people who go through that process and who coach there and who play at that level, the competitiveness, the competition of it is, is I think, the highest form. Um, and that sounds like a decision that's made from a competitor. She wants to be the best in the world, so why not get to work early? Barney, this is right, up, this is right in your wheelhouse. Uh, you're always talking about how the European, pe- the European crew, uh, they start when they're 15, 16 yeah. years old playing at the professional level. This is a decision much like that. How right. much experience can I get crammed in at an early age so that when I'm in my physical prime, 25 to 32, 33, I've got the experience, my body's put together, everything's coming in line to win a medal, to be called the best in the world. And uh, from, as a competitor, I commend that. Okay, so the Summer Ross bandwagon is, uh, is starting up. I got the keys. I'm, I'm driving it. it. I'll hop on. I'm driving it. So I'm uh, I'm now the head of the Summer Ross bandwagon. I am uh, I'm driving. If you wish to jump on, please do. Here's a guy who actually was on the ground for this win, and perhaps can give us a little more insight into what was happening in Cincy. Not only with this win on the women's side, but also what was going on on the men's side for a little guy who uh, gave us a boom on the way in. Let's uh, welcome back uh, DJ Jeremy Rouche. DJ, did you? Did you just call me a little guy? No, I was talking about Casey. Okay, just making sure that you weren't referring to me. Not, <laughs> not in my face while I'm not in the studio. Oh, well, you know, I do it to your face. I don't feel bad. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm surprised that you try to do it behind my back, but that's fine. Hey, well, well thanks for calling in. Hey, uh, first of all, sorry you're not here. The intro played uh, almost twice. It started over again, and that wasn't good. But, yeah, you know, it's par for the course around here. And, and maybe if you hang on later, you can listen to my... Uh, entire Smashing Pumpkins uh, repertoire. I've got about seven albums. We're going to play them all. Great. Well, that'll fill up, you know, three and a half hours for us. So, perfect. Great yeah. great radio for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jeremy, tell us how Cincy was. Uh, some folks were watching online. They had some questions about the atmosphere. But give us a, an overview there. Well, it was hot and humid, and for somebody like myself that has been in California for 16 years now, I'm not used to that anymore. Um, I'm not a big fan of sitting there and sweating. <laughs> well, word has that you would do it if you were active. here, too. Yeah, like if I'm doing something to cause sweat, fine, but just sitting there and, not, and sweating is not fun for me. But uh, the fans in Cincinnati, they're, they always come out and support. Um, they're very knowledgeable fans, and uh, they came from all over. Like there are people from Kentucky – Indiana, um, people as far away as Tennessee that I talked to showed up. So, um, you know, there were people there. I know that on TV, probably for the finals, it definitely wasn't full. I think the 6 o'clock time slot for the first finals on a Monday evening on Labor Day is a little difficult. Um, people had to get home, had school, work the next day. So, But uh, the fans that stuck around and saw the volleyball, they were great. It was amazing. Um, we had the night session scheduled for Saturday evening. And um, Mother Nature came in and dominated, so we had to uh, cancel that. There was a little torrential downpour, and people who 
especially some of the players who were from Southern California, were taking lots of photos and videos and tweeting about it because they thought it was the end of the world. <laughs> Very nice. They have never seen, yeah, they had never seen thunder and lightning like that before, and it, uh, I mean, it was pretty gnarly. But I mean, it rained, it rained a lot. That they about 5:30, we were scheduled to last match of the day before the night session, and you could just see the storm coming in. And about an hour later, we had to shut it all down. But uh, we made up for it on Sunday, for which was a very long day. But um, getting to the finals, I heard you talking about summer a little bit. That was – I'm still a little bit in shock. Not that that team isn't good enough to win, but just in the way that they did it. Yeah. I mean, they took control of that match. And then when you beat Carrie, Carrie and anybody, I don't know who Carrie's playing with, but Carrie and Whitney, 21-15, 21-11, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of making a statement right there, don't you think? That is a pummeling 15 and 11. Oh. Sitting there during during the match, you know, people were in the DJ booth, DJ area, we were talking. Like, I, I kept expecting, just because they were a young team had never been in a finals like this before, like, they would show some crack. Like, they'd be like, all of a sudden, you see a look on their face like, oh, man, we're in the championship. We could win this now. Like, And maybe a little bit of panic set in, or they would do something differently. But... Um, like we talked about on the show before, when they were in Long Beach and should have made the bronze medal match, they stopped swinging at the end of the match. This match, I swear, like just thinking about it, I feel like they were swinging every single time on every single set. There was no shots. It was just, I'm going to go up and swing as hard as I can. And they uh, they stuck to their game plan. I mean, they played incredible defense, jump served really well. And, I mean, it was it was, it, it was over really quickly. That was a surprising thing, too. Like, you just kept expecting Carrie and Whitney to be like, okay, yes, we let you little kids have your little bit of a run. Now we're going to do ours. But they never, they were never really in the match. Well, yeah, kudos to Day and Ross for, for making it that way because you can't let a player, a couple of players, Pavlik and, uh, and Walsh Jennings, get a little bit of breathing room. They will take advantage of that. Unrated on the chat board correctly pointed out they lost one set all day. He then tried to correct it to one game, but uh, damage already done by us to you, unrated. We, uh, we're, we're in your mind. We're in your head. Mostly me. But one set is it. actually the correct form of the sentence. So, wait, job. Barney, are, so you're a set versus game. You get picky about that stuff? Yeah. Because I work in the world of television and people get picky with me? Yes, it as, is as one soon set. As, as soon as the word game gets in your head, I mean, that could just ruin everything. <laughs> Drop one of those and it's over with. Un- unrated now drinking. Which Gee, is I good. mean, set. <laughs> no, you just have to say set. If you drop a game, you just keep on going. That's the thing. Don't stop. It's the rule of live TV. And, uh, Jeremy, I, don't, I want to bounce this off you because I think we're going to get Emily Day on here in just a little bit, and, and we're going to tell her that uh, the new shirt is Emily Day is Bombs Away. Awesome. Because I, I like the fact that they do that, that they just keep hitting and be aggressive. I, I think that's their mojo, and, and don't change it. And I'm glad to hear that they didn't change it down the stretch because I'd watched the match, but I didn't have CBS yet. I finally have CBS back, so maybe I can resume my watching of the AVP. Yes, I mean, like like I said, I kept expecting them to show a little chink in the armor throughout the match, but they didn't. They stuck to their game plan, and they did. They kept swinging, and I thought about us talking about it on the show. Like, they never let up and just swing away. That's what got you there, and they were obviously having success at it. Why? And until Carrie and Whitney could stop that, keep doing it. Right. Now, who were they Who were they serving? Were they going after Carrie, or were they going after Whitney? You know, they went after Whitney more, but Carrie saw a lot more serves than I was expecting her to see. But Whitney, um, 
Whitney, who last week at Manhattan Beach, if you saw or remember, she was she was swinging away and putting balls down more aggressively more aggressively than I've seen her do in a while. And this match, like she was swinging away too, but it just nothing was going down. She they couldn't find the sand on the other side of the court. All right, how about the men's side of things? Uh, Casey Patterson, Jay Gibb, come out with another victory and a big giant crystal you know, orb. Yes, exactly. Um, it was funny because after the women's match, the men's final started so quickly that I wasn't even playing the appropriate intro music because I wasn't expecting the intros to be happening right when it did. It happened so quickly, like I was still thinking about the women's match, men's matches all of a sudden going. The energy level was kind of down because didn't, we didn't have enough time to build it up. But within about two minutes, Casey Patterson had the energy level right back up, had fans cheering for him, he's yelling and screaming, and then we were right back. But uh, they uh, they looked good all tournament too. I mean, Jake Jake was roofing balls again, like you know, like we keep talking about. He's one of the best blockers in the world, except for according to Kevin Wong, apparently. And uh, <laughs> he, um, you know, he really turned it on in that match. And especially before that, Theo and Nick looked really good as they took down Phil and Rosie. And Theo was putting Rosie in a little tiny house. Rosie could not get the ball around Theo. And I expected there was to be a little bit of that in the finals too, but you know the score was obviously closer than the women's, but they weren't. Nick and Theo weren't really in the match either. Jake and Casey had control, and Casey had the crowd on his side, and he was popping and locking and having a good time. Does Rosie have a little bit of a hangover from that Manhattan loss? You know, I don't know. I've noticed the last couple times Rosie gets he gets absolutely roofed the first few times that he swings in a match, then he starts, I think, to get into this, and this is just me speculating, maybe gets in his head a little bit because then he automatically goes to shooting the ball. And he shot a lot of balls out of bounds. And any, anything else, Nick was scooping, and then they were putting away. So, um, you know, Theo is a new blocker on tour, so, you know, they may not have much scouting on him yet. Right. And they don't, you know, they may not know how to deal with that yet because he was, I mean, he was absolutely, he was still like on some of his blocks, just penetrating really far over the net and absolutely roofing Rosie. Now give people an idea of who this is because this is a name that I've heard battered around. So Theo Bruner, I, that is a great question. I don't know, he is, I believe he's in his mid-20s. And not you know honestly I'm not even sure where he's from. I know Nick picked him up earlier this year, young kid, um, but looks very comfortable on the beach already. Um, even from when I saw him training against Jake and Casey in Huntington Beach earlier this year, and even from Manhattan, like he's one of those guys, an indoor guy, that when you get on the beach you look a little uncomfortable because you're not sure, even though you're really athletic. And you're getting so, like, sunburned. Sometimes the guys will jump. Yeah, you just don't know. Like, he would jump so high, and he'd realize, like, mid-flight, he's so high in the air. He's like, well, now what do I do because I'm up here so high? Like, it seems like from last week to even this week, he's kind of, you know, realizes where his body's going to be when he jumps up in the air to block or jumps up in the air to hit and stuff like that. So he's he's going to be a name to look out for. And John Hyden's new partner, Triborn, uh, really showed some things this weekend, too. So it's... Uh, it's exciting on the men's side as well, that's for sure. Yeah, Brunner, 28 years old, out of uh, Ridgefield, Connecticut, currently in Isla Vista because he went to UC Santa Barbara, six foot seven. Career earnings, uh, $15,000. Looks like he's going to make a serious run into that perhaps here. Uh, 2013, looks like he's won uh, the NBL as well as this uh, his good AVP finish uh, this past weekend. 
So there yeah, and a good pickup for Nick, too, for sure. Yeah, a good pickup for Nick, who actually did play with John Hyden earlier in the year. Uh, one more question about this tournament, in particular about the women's uh, champions, since we are going to have Emily Day here in a few, if she's still, still awake, that's the question. You know, I think of Casey and Jake, uh, Phil and Rosie, it used to be Phil and Todd, a boss and Ross back in the day, you know. I still it was sad to see that one go via divorce, but we call them uh, Summer Day, Emily Summer, Ross Day, Day Ross, uh, Emmer. Do we just go one word, Emmer? Dross? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, nothing nothing really stuck this weekend, too. Like, I think it's just got to be natural. It's just got to come out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was trying to. I was hoping that I could get a dub out of like Summer Ross. It could be like M Dub or something, like something cool. But you know, Summer is 20 years old, and she was homeschooled. Yeah. And then they had one year had one year at college. So um, we're gonna do some media training with Summer. Please do. Because she actually has a she has a funny she does have a funny quirky personality. Just though I don't think she knows how to get it out there yet, uh, but she will. She'll get better at it, and she'll have to if she keeps playing the way she is now. I saw a pregame video sesh going on. I think it was her laying on the the couch somewhere on Twitter, and I think she, it looked like some sort of shooting game. And Todd Rogers, as usual, looked perturbed. <laughs> yes, but the best part about it was that Todd was the only one there watching. Like he right. could have gone anywhere else except for he was there watching, which I found that all highly entertaining. But yeah, she was uh, she was playing Halo or some first person shooter game in the players' lounge, and then went out and sighted out. Nice. So That's Summer Ross, she's cut from the Phil Dalhauser cloth because we know Phil likes his first person shooters. Oh, for sure, for sure. So they may get along game wise. I don't know about personality wise yet. All right. Well, congratulations to them, and uh, and a good update there, Jeremy. I was actually down in Cabo over the week, and I had a little, you look tired. a little tropical storm Juliet rolled in. That was fun, because here in Southern California, we get zero weather. It's kind of boring, and you mentioned, Jeremy, the excitement for these Southern Californians there in Cincy when you get some lightning and stuff, that that happens, and all of a sudden, uh, you do get a little bit of weather. You get a picture of what everyone else deals with all over uh, the world in the United States. And in Cabo, we got Tropical Storm Juliet, blew with howling winds, took like 30-pound chaise lounges, about 70 of them, and threw them in the pools. It's pretty awesome. Woke up in the morning. Wow. Weird. That's a, bar- a little bit of a panic. That's a Barnett party, if I ever heard one, throwing chaise lounges in the <laughs> pool. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was me. Maybe I was just upset. Tropical Storm Barnett. All right, Jeremy. Well, uh, we're going to have Emily here call in, and uh, thanks for thanks for checking in. You're off to the next event, correct? I am off to Atlantic City on Thursday, followed by St. Petersburg, Florida, the weekend after. So you're on you're on the big long end of summer trip here. Are you coming back at all in between? Yeah. Not between those two. This one, I'm home for less than 48 hours, and then I will be gone for. Uh, the next job and stay on the East Coast. All right, Jeremy. We'll see you next and ever. And the, trust me, music on the net live will not be good. Correct. Just don't take me off the intro. I'll be back in a few weeks. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Right, Talk to show. you later. Yep. All right, Bye. DJ Jeremy Roche checking in, giving us our Cincy report right there. Yeah, you, be careful. You might end up out of the ad and then pout and quit. <laughs> it might happen. Hey, that's some solid work by DJ Roche, though. What a great report. Guy nailed it. I like the hot and humid comment because, uh, you know what, he doesn't know it because he wasn't here, 
and I didn't hear about it because I wasn't here till I got back on uh, Sunday. It was hot and humid here. People thought they moved to like North Georgia. It was pretty hot and humid. No problem. Riverside, 104 degrees and 95% humidity. Yeah, and some humidity. Yep. Yeah. It was pretty tough. It was a tough week. I'm picturing Bill Paxton and aliens. <laughs> yeah, but it's a dry heat, man. <laughs> yeah, people were trying to drop that, and we were like, no, no. But, hey, once you've lived in Mississippi, everything's a dry heat. That's tell you that a good much. point. 105 and 50% humidity, not a problem. You have uh, Emily Day going to be checking in here in a moment? Yeah, she'll be calling in momentarily. All right. And I want to ask you about, about season and stuff and kind of the life of a coach. Brandon here has been through uh, a lot of different lives as a coach. He has been the volunteer assistant. You have been the coach of – what was the the one up here off the 90 that you were coaching? Was it, it was junior college. <laughs> West L.A. College. West L.A. College. I remember that was your first head job, right? That was my first head job. Very nice. Yeah. I, I try to keep that under wraps, though. So. <laughs> West There's a LA lot College. of things I've tried to keep under wraps about my volleyball, my professional coaching career. Uh, Brandon's playing career actually totally ruined by Warcraft. Warcraft 2, as a matter of fact, uh, the death of Brandon's volleyball career. Warcraft 2 and Kevin Barnett peer pressuring me to get out of the weight room, go to the library, and let's play some Warcraft. Yeah. So uh, it, it was part Warcraft, probably 20, 20% of that, about 80% of peer pressure. So I caved. I can't believe Warcraft actually just made the broadcast. That's kind of funny to me. Well, like you said, this isn't a show about volleyball anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, Brandon tells me, hey, you know, I'm getting ready. I'm preparing for the show. I said, why bother? The show is not about volleyball anyhow. And that's what makes it great. It's about motocross, supercross, going drink. to Cabo, those kinds of things. That's what it's about. Oh, do I get to do the drink references now that DJ is not here? Somebody has to pick up the slack. I mean, I'm going to play bad music, but we can't lose all control that he provides yeah he's worked hard to build a culture here and we've got to sustain that <laughs> we do have to sustain that there's some coach speak for you right there <sighs> all right you know what I, i'm supposed to play music too for pump up intros and i hadn't even thought about that oh my gosh i'm gonna try and find something quick here Jer- this is where jeremy would just be just ticked off at me give me give me something to go to here for for uh intro well uh, I've been pretty, ah, I got pretty, one. pretty deeply submerged into the world of uh, 18 to 22 year old females, so I pretty much guarantee you don't have anything on there that I've been listening to lately. And that's a good point. We will talk about your uh, battered spouses of college volleyball and Tori Higa's membership in said community later <laughs> in this program. We will also have Brandon Rosenthal checking in, but right now we have somebody who's been doing it right. This is a player who was an outside hitter at Loyola Marymount University, getting over 1,500 kills and 1,000 digs. How about that? Barney, you want me to just do the intro to this one? Did you want to do the intro? I'll do the intro for this. Were you set? You were ready? I almost asked you. Barney, I've been waiting to do this intro for, like, years. For years. I think you you called this one way back, so let's reset. Hold on. Let's reset. Ready? Hit it. Ladies and gentlemen, on the line right now, breakthrough year right here. She's the daughter of Joan and Bob Day, the oldest of three younger siblings, Laura and Gregory, outstanding family. She went to West High. She had to wear brown spandex, and she made it through. As a matter of fact, she did that so well that people could tell right away. This girl was going somewhere. I uh, went to college at LMU where she majored in math. 
math people. Math? Math. Who made math? Math. Smart people. She was also part of the youngest team ever to qualify for an AVP event. She qualified with her partner Heather Hughes in 2007. Uh, her little welcoming present was a match on center court against Missy May and Carrie Walsh. Uh, great pick session, great photo session. Uh, she's the champion of multiple World University Games. It's a Vegas long intro. She's having a breakout year. She finished fifth in Gestad, fourth in Long Beach, and finally winning in Cincinnati. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Emily Day, all the way from the East Coast. Emily, are you are you still there? Because I I think we just got every last bit of uh, of your resume right there. Thank you, Brandon. You're welcome, Emily. My pleasure. Well, let's start with, with the most intriguing part of that, brown spandex. How did you all feel about that? My goodness. Oh, man. We didn't have a choice. I mean, when you're, it's either yellow spandex or brown spandex, so I guess I would pick brown. <laughs> man, I would have gone with more of a gold. Well, hey, Emily, congratulations on your first tournament victory here with Summer Ross. And we talked to you right after. I, I grabbed you there at the ASICS booth in Long Beach and, and ran off a little bit of audio. Did you feel like you guys were on the precipice of winning a tournament? Uh oh. I just didn't know how soon it would come. Yeah. So it was pretty amazing that we came out and was able to do it in Cincinnati. Kind of breaking up a little bit there. I don't know if you can get in a better cell service oh. area or where you're at. We missed a, a little part of that. But, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you guys, okay, so so I had asked you about if you were going to play together more, how you felt about that uh, that partnership, and then all of a sudden we look at the next couple tournaments, and you guys are playing with different partners. How much of that uh, was predetermined, and how much changed based on your results in Long Beach? Oh, well, got her in a bad area here, Brandon. This happens. Welcome to the Net Live. Hold on. It's that East Coast thing. <laughs> they have cell service in the East Coast. I thought Sandy had already gone. <laughs> Tropical Storm Sandy Not, was over. Yes. Can you hear me all right? Uh, that sounds a little bit better. Okay. Maybe not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Maybe it was your intro. I think it was my intro. I, I think we had a pretty good connection. Did <laughs> I call I in from a, a landline? Yeah, find a landline right quick. We'll click right okay. back to you. All right, we're going to take a break okay. here with okay. Emily Day. And, uh, Jared, we're going to take this opportunity to take a break here on the show because I want to play a some little Smashing bit of pumpkins? some Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. So we'll be right back then at live here on a Tuesday evening. We hope you uh, get this via podcast or maybe even tune in live like Unrated. Uh-huh.
Oh, Higa. He's not playing this. Jeremy's not playing this. This is the best of times. Smashing Pumpkins always makes me think of Pepperdine and Pierce College when we were teammates. It was awesome. The best of times. The best of times. We think we didn't sleep much. <laughs> no, we didn't. Welcome back to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. We're hoping to get into this via iTunes. This is one of our special evening shows as we try and flex the schedule around a time when we can actually have the show on. It's not easy to find time in our busy schedules, but we're working on it. So welcome back, and welcome back into the show once again. Emily Day. Emily, you're on a landline now. How's it working? Yes. There we better? go. There we go. Now we can hear okay. you. Okay. So let me give you the question again for our listeners who can uh, recap. They've obviously left and gone and gotten a beer. Maybe they even shut off their iTunes. Maybe they're back by now. All right. <laughs> you guys are playing well in Long Beach. Don't quite get there, but it seemed like you guys were on your way up. And then all of a sudden, look at the next couple of tournaments, and you're playing with different partners. How much of that was pre-planned, and then how, did, how much did the plan change given the results in Long Beach? Well, um, going into Long Beach, we already knew we were playing with different partners after that tournament. You know, sign-ups for these uh, international tournaments are so far out that you, you just kind of go with what you feel at the time when sign-up date rolls around. So we knew going into Long Beach that, you know, Summer wanted to go to Moscow and play in that tournament, and I was going to be playing with Whitney in Berlin and then um, we had always talked about getting back together for the ADP tournament. So it was just kind of like a matter of time. And playing great in Long Beach, we were kind of kicking ourselves, yeah. <laughs> wishing we could keep going off of that. But we just had to wait because we had prior commitments. Well, if that wasn't enough, but then all of a sudden with this NVL controversy that piped up with the contracts, oh, it yeah. turns out Summer had signed that contract, and all of a sudden her participation was thrown up in the air again. How was that eventually resolved? Yeah, I mean, I was nervous, and <laughs> I was, like, calling Summer to make sure she got that all straightened out, um, but I guess they all worked it out. I'm so glad that I wasn't too involved with that. I was just crossing my fingers that Summer would be able to play with me. Hey, how tough has it been for you to kind of come along at this period of time when Beach Volleyball fell apart in 2010? How hard has it been for you to, to make the decision to stay with beach volleyball? And, and how have you gone through that process of deciding to continue to pursue beach volleyball as a career and as a profession? Right. I mean, it was, it was scary at times, but I have, like, the support of my family and friends and just, like, great people around me that continue to encourage me and, you know, kind of have faith in the sport that it would, it would come around with hard work, you know, and improvement just being able to get better every single year and kind of be ready for when it does come back to be at the top of my game. Well, I think that's, uh, that's really good foresight. I mean, we've seen the AVP go up and down throughout the years, and it always seems like the people who position themselves well uh, in a down cycle are there when the up cycle comes back. And so hopefully it's coming back soon. Um, but let me yeah. ask you a little bit about your involvement with uh, the USA Beach Volleyball Program. I know that uh -huh. they started that right around when you were graduating from college. So it kind of seemed like the timing worked out. How important has um, the high performance program and, and player development through US USA Volleyball been to your career? I mean, it's been huge to me. USA Volleyball has done great things for me and presented awesome opportunities, you know, traveling to different North Seikas. I got to go to three World University games. 
we have great coaches in the program and, you know, a set schedule and we can work out at the yard. It's it's unbelievable. It, it's a great feeding program to get people into the system and to get better and to send you out in international tournaments for experience. It, it's, it was awesome. So you were on the front edge of all that, and, and basically it's kind of a they – they thought you had potential. They took you in and just said, okay, we're pushing you through the ranks. We're paying for this stuff. You're getting the experience. Right. You're becoming the, the best you can be. Um, yeah. How, a question I always had, how do they determine partnerships? I mean, are in the USA program, right. are they dictating partnerships to you, or is it something that you have a little bit of control over? Um, when we went and did the, like, World University Games, that was strictly USA partnering us up. We tried out individuals. We practiced with, like, a group of eight, and they picked the top uh, teams to go. When we travel for FIVB tournaments, it's strictly us picking our partners. And USA Volleyball will send the top four teams with the most amount of points. So, I mean, but I also use the USA coaches as guidance as to who I should partner with, and, you know, their opinion matters a lot to me. So they were there um, to help me along the way. How important is uh, maintaining a partnership? I mean, 2009 you played nine events with five different partners. What are the parts of the game that get lost in there? I mean, 2009 was, like, one of my, my first year kind of full-time at it, and so I was just bouncing through partners left and right, trying to figure <laughs> out who worked out well and, you know, who you could get into tournaments with. And then, you know, I mean, you lose some stuff along the way with by switching partners so much. The communication's tougher, and, like, those little plays just don't happen when you're switching partners every weekend. But um, I felt like that year – it was almost more of like an experiment to see what worked for me and, you know, who I clicked with. Yeah, this is definitely still a period of time when you were coming out of indoor and, and maybe still considered an indoor player. What was the toughest adjustment? Because right. I know a lot of indoor players always feel like, oh, I could step right on the beach and dominate. I mean, I feel that way. <laughs> still feel that way, right? Yeah, I still feel that way. Give me some new knees, though. Uh, what, what was the yeah. toughest thing? What's the thing that's taking you the longest to develop? Oh, wow. The entire beach game. <laughs> oh, all of it. Good. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, the wind, you know, being able to just play all around, being setting is huge on the beach. Um, not just hitting the ball as hard as you can every time. Right. I mean, that's my favorite thing to do, but I realize that's not going to score points every time. So developing a good cut shot and high line and uh, seeing on the beach, being able to look at the other side of the net and watch the defender and the set and where you want to put the ball at the same time, that, that's tough, too. All right, that whole hitting thing, forget you even said that. Just hit the ball, hit the ball. I mean, that's why you're my favorite athlete right now on the women's <laughs> side of the game because you're just swinging away. Emily, do you I know. Ha- it's, that's the best part. It's so much fun. Emily, do you, have any, uh, <laughs> do you have any uh, Emily Day T-shirts? T-shirt designs in mind because Barney's really pushing for one for we you. We got one for you. No, no, you can ask. Um, that's like up Laura's alley, my sister. All right, Laura Day, who, that. in full disclosure, has babysat my children before because I used to coach her in club a little <laughs> bit or give her some advice while Brandon coached her. 
Uh, yeah, here, here's. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. She turned out okay. All right. Yeah, she did fine. But but here's your T-shirt design that maybe your crew can put together. We mentioned your crew last time we talked to you. You have quite the the crew following you. I want to yes. see Emily Day is bombs away. I want to see that on some shirts. Okay. Okay, I can I can suggest it to the crew and see see what they say. Oh, is it done? Does, if it comes from the top, do they just say okay, or is this kind of a bottom up organization? Um, I have no idea. I feel like Laura might be in charge of it, so you should talk to her. I think the way it works, uh, LD, she's all about the marketing. Emily's a little bit more yeah. about just dominating people. So speaking of dominating people, I've, I've got to ask you. So you go 19-15 on Carrie and Whitney and then 15-11 in the finals. I mean, I, I watched yeah. the first match uh, that you played against uh, Carrie and Whitney, and I was like, uh-huh. I was getting all pumped up. I'm like, oh, dude, Emily's gonna do this. Uh-huh. You win, and it was. I was like, man, I would be running around the the court like I just won a gold medal. I mean, what what was your approach <laughs> to that? Uh, and right. talk me through just per, two performances like that. Yeah. So for the the semifinals, I know people were like, "You guys didn't even look that excited." Oh, believe me, we were very excited. But um, we know that it didn't really mean too much if we were just going to go and end up losing the next two. I mean, it was a great match for us and gave us confidence in the tournament. But I mean, we were nowhere near our goal. So the first time we played them and beat them, um, you know, we just took it in stride and was like, okay, on, we got to win this next one or else it means nothing. Right. And then um, during the finals, I thought our celebration was a little better. <laughs> you know, Summer and I are still working on it. <laughs> it was our first finals together, and uh, so I had fun out there. So, yeah. Well, hopefully you'll have many more celebrations. So, But, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know celebration dances are important. Come on. You play yeah. club volleyball? I'll work on it. I'm I'll sure, work on it. Yeah, I'm sure you have a background in that from all your, for your club, yeah. club years. Yeah, I just got to get summer. We got we to gotta create one for summer first. <laughs> yeah, is she going to have something involving a gun? I mean, we, we saw her with the first-person shooter thing. What is summer's thing if she's going to get away and relax, if you're going to try and put your partner at ease? What do you want summer doing? Um, what, I'm just, I let summer do her thing. I don't try to mess up with her routine you know, um, you can't really change a person as far as, like, making her be super energetic and loud and, you know, jumping around the court. Uh, you know, we each have our own game, and I think we complement each other well. So. Well, yeah, not everybody wants to read an applied mathematics textbook before they go out to play the biggest match of their life. That's, <laughs> that's what you're doing, right? No, I I was actually just reading a book, trying to keep my mind away from it. If I start thinking about it too much, I get way too much adrenaline and get so, like, bouncing off the walls. So, for me, I just sat myself on the couch in the player's tent and read my book and kind of tried to focus in. All right. We know you're having great success here as a volleyball player, and obviously uh, you're going to continue to be a volleyball player. But what if you weren't a volleyball player? What would one be doing with an applied mathematics degree? Yeah. Um, I think I would be teaching math. I, uh, I I tutor on the side right now, and I really enjoy that. So I could see myself like teaching high school math and coaching volleyball. Nothing too spectacular. Any brown spandex involved for your uh, players? 
Um, if I'm at West, there will be, but otherwise, no. <laughs> there will be? You can burn all of those. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Emily, give us a, a picture of the rest of the summer before we let you go. Where will you and Summer be competing? Are you competing together, or now that you've won a tournament, are you going to go away for three more again before you rejoin? Yeah, right. No, we'll be finishing the summer together. Uh, we're on the East Coast right now. We'll do Atlantic City and then go down to Florida, finish up. I think it's Santa Barbara, and we're crossing our fingers that we get into Brazil. It depends on which teams enter. And then we'll do Huntington and hopefully Phuket and some other international tournaments at the end of the year. Fantastic. Well, you guys have a good schedule laid out. We wish you the best of luck and look forward to more good finishes and, and learning more about you guys as a partnership. Congratulations, Emily, and thanks for staying up late yeah. to join us. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you for having me. Thank All you. Right. All right, there you go. Okay, see ya. Bye. Bye. Emily Day, checking in. It's funny. You know, the, the world of volleyball is a funny place as far as the size of it goes. True that. Because you can be, if you're me, I was down at Cabo this weekend with a friend who happened to get his double A back in the day, and he's in his 40s now. And He's asking me, do you know this person? Do you know that person? I'm like, look, I know everybody. I've been on the indoor side of things for ever now, which I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I started playing in the college system here in 1995 at L.A. Pierce Junior College. So you can give me going on 20 years in the sport. And started with the national team in 97. So do the math on that. That's rather unfortunate. Uh, 16 years that I've uh, I've let go by. But all the interconnected and, and web of this thing, especially being on this show and all the folks that we've had in here on this show and talked to at one time or another or been to events, you can be almost anywhere and know somebody. Emily Day playing exceptionally well. Well, LD, as you mentioned, Laura Day, player that you coached in club at a time when I had just moved back to California and I was consulting with the South Bay Volleyball Club and uh, Lydia Niffen and uh, and those folks there and Larry and, and everybody. And, and there was Laura Day. So I'm coaching Laura Day and I'm, of course, trolling for babysitters because my kids are two and four at the time and i got to get out. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take the wife out. So important. So uh, Laura Day actually babysat my kids back in 2006 or seven. Good story. And now here her sister is uh, coming on the show, show that wasn't even in existence till 2009. Figure that one out. I think uh, that Cloud Atlas uh, really got you. Really got you going. That's right, Cloud Atlas. Good movie. Uh, well, good movie. I'm not sure I would say good movie. Maybe we should. Uh, Maybe we should say it's a very intriguing movie. It's very thought-provoking. Very. It's one of those movies I'll watch again, like Looper I want to see again, to go back and follow kind of the timelines and stuff. Uh, recommend Looper. That's a good movie. I actually watched Looper on your recommendation and uh, enjoyed it. The wife wasn't super stoked about it, but uh, hey, you know what? I only watch about two movies a year, so uh, whenever I get the chance to watch one, I'm, I'm picking. I did not recommend it to Tori. I recommended it to you. I know. I know. I should have done it on a road trip. It's Kevin, it's Kevin Barnett and Brandon Higa holding down the home court. We still have College Volleyball Weekly coming up here shortly with our correspondent, Brandon Rosenthal. And we will have much more chatter about the world of volleyball, including the potential demise of a Division One men's program. Wait, this show's about volleyball again? No. No. It's all about Smashing Pumpkins. Thinking about being back in the day, Brandon. Getting up at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Having to be ready to be on the floor because we didn't have a gym at Pierce Junior College. We had to go to Pepperdine to practice. We both end up there later, but boy, it sucked at the time. 
I remember those days in my lush red vehicle, just pumping pumpkins, hitting up, hitting up Caro's because they had free refills on milk. And hot chocolate. Spikes and balls at 5 in the morning. Then at okay. live. We'll be right back. And it live here on Vaudeville Magazine. We'll make sure we thank Vaudeville Magazine for their support of this show, as well as the AVCA. They've put a lot of effort into the program over the years. We always appreciate them, and we appreciate you, the listener, for listening to our program and also supporting the show. A couple of T-shirts left at volaclothing.com. Smalls and mediums. Pick them up for your friends, colleagues, or people the size of DJ Roche. Mediums? Mediums, yeah. They're smalls and mediums. Are there any mediums? They have been in the dryer for a long time. Jason Ring would definitely wear them. Yeah. Medium, that would be his. Not afraid to cut the sleeves either. No, not at all. <laughs> Great comment on the chat board. Unrated, you're killing it tonight, man. we got to have more night shows. He says, uh, you know, Summer Ross uh, would have come on the show, except, you know, curfew. <laughs> So good. That is so good. Oh, that's fantastic. That's okay. You know she's she's over there on the East Coast uh, with her headset on, just pounding away the first person shooter. Yeah, she's definitely somewhere in some zombie land, killing let's, people with a with a chain gun. Let's be real. I might throw that up right here. I'm working on the loft. the uh, The home court is getting a little bit nicer here, day by day. By day. Got rid of the 45-year-old furniture, and now we have uh, brand-new boxes hanging on the walls and a big TV. Pretty soon, we might have some Bible memorabilia floating around. Do it. We'll see. Let's do it. We will see. Hey, so tell me about the uh, AVCA portion of the show here. Can we just extend it as long as possible so Brandon Rosenthal has to just stay up all night? 
<laughs> he is actually calling in from Lipscomb University. Of course, those who listen to the show know it is 11:22 already, but he's ready. He's juiced up. He'll bring he'll bring the noise no matter what time it is. No matter what time it is, he will bring it. Is anyone else staying up for that part? The show? No, there'll be nobody listening. <laughs> no, the, the, coaches, the podcast program anyway. The coach's weekly thing. Are we doing anything past that? No, is anyone else staying up? Anyone else calling in or is it just Rose? No, Rosenthal's calling in. We were working on, now this is a good transition. Thank you, Brandon. With Joe Wartman, head coach of the UOP men, but uh, unable to get him on here. I did get some insider information on what's happening. Those that have been following the chat boards, there is good information out there on the chat boards sometimes. This was one of those cases where UOP, the University of Pacific, who's had a men's volleyball team for many years, many, many years, has floated the idea, their athletic director, Ted Leland, has said that he will recommend the elimination of the men's program after this year. That is his budget-cutting recommendation. We understand the university is going through a series of budget cuts and kind of a realignment as part of a five-year plan, and his recommendation is to, in the athletic department, the way to cut the red tape or the, the red ink is to get rid of men's volleyball. Not sure you're cutting a lot there. We saw LMU do this years ago, uh, right in the middle of Reed Pretty's career. Hey, but in LMU's defense, they have a really great scoreboard that's really outdated right now. That's sitting in Gersten Pavilion, so you have that. Cost a million dollars, and today you could put up the same billboard for probably ten grand. Yeah, I could probably uh, cobble one together at Best Buy. <laughs> yeah, so so UOP. Uh, thinking about getting rid of their program. And, and there's a few issues here. That, number one, they said budget. Budget is the main issue. Said other sports may see some cuts. Uh, secondary said, listen, we are a WCC athletic department. Ooh. They joined the WCC. WCC does not contain men's volleyball. Remember, the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation, those of you who are immediately thinking of Pepperdine, who plays in the WCC, Mountain Pacific Sports Federation is the federation for or the league for men's volleyball and really i can't think of another wcc school involved in men's volleyball except for pepperdine uh byu oh byu but they're kind of a reason well addition. they've joined yeah. yeah they were what big west before the uh, right? mountain, yeah, west? mountain west mountain west, mountain west. They were, i remember they were playing air force and stuff before. cougars live in the mountains so 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 that not being a wcc product that's something else and also competitiveness being cited there, although some folks uh, citing the field hockey team and situation there as uh, perhaps the analogous sport, although a female sport. So you didn't hear in there, in those three reasons, except perhaps at the end of the last one, maybe, and we don't have any information that it's true, you didn't hear Title IX in there anywhere. Title IX not mentioned as an issue. But there is also no mention at the university, as it realigns with its five-year plan and other things it wants to do with its, with its athletics budget, you don't hear any mention of getting rid of any women's sports. True. So uh, we can't say that that's the cause. We can't say that, uh, that that's involved. It hasn't ever been said, and I don't know that any smart AD or president of a university would actually say that. Uh, so funding being an issue for a sport that is not performing was number three, the competitiveness of that sport. But, as was pointed out to me, UOP never really completely funded that program. So now you're into a chicken and egg problem where you ha you're saying 
if you're the athletic director, you're saying to the coach, we're not going to give you more funding unless you perform. But how are they going to perform without more funding in this competitive environment? Especially with UOP, location of the school, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You're near Stanford, which is maybe a better choice. If you're an athlete looking at both of those in that area, if you want to stay in that area, a men's volleyball athlete. Uh, I'm not sure how easy it is to draw folks out of Southern California if you don't have a lot of money to offer. These are some of the things that you're going to face if you are UOP and trying to recruit if you don't have a tremendous amount of money. How are you going to entice talent? It's quite the quandary, that's for sure. But it's it's not anything different than a lot of uh, a lot of these programs are facing. Um, but it's it's an argument you definitely don't want to find yourself in if you're a men's volleyball coach. No, you're not going to win it. But here's another interesting point about the program. Okay, the, the idea of a student athlete. Keep hearing that student athlete thrown around quite a bit as the NCAA takes its lumps on a variety of fronts, right? And universities have been taking their lumps. The idea that it is a student athlete. Well, they give out a leadership award in the athletic department. And the male athlete leadership award recipient the last three years has been a member of the UOP volleyball team. And that includes Javier Caceres, the libero, who won it last year as a junior. So you have good citizens. They may not be winning a lot of games, but you have good citizens inside the university fulfilling the mission of the university and the, some of the university values of learning through sport and enrichment through sport of their student athletes and student base. They're fulfilling that, and yet they're getting rid of them. Well, I think that's just the quandary, the, the 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 collision of two worlds. You know, you're in education, you're in athletics, but at some point you're in a business too. This is a private school. Yeah, that's true. You know, yes, they have a mission. Yes, they uh, have a higher calling to educate people, but there's also this business part of it that hey, when push comes to shove and 80s have to make ends meet, they're going to start hacking, you know, bottom line. And that's when you really hope that priorities are straight in your institution. You know, you hope that they value the student athlete, what they're doing off the court, the example that they're setting, what kind of grades they're getting, whether they're good kids or not, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's always a little bit of fear as a coach, like, boy, did I sign up for the right thing? Am I, are my priorities straight? Am I putting the emphasis on the right thing? And, uh, you know, it sounds like they're doing it up there. Hopefully they, they don't get punished for it and, and get a program cut. I think it would be, be terrible. So there's the bad news about the situation. Here is the good news. And you may have caught it in the middle somewhere there. It is a recommendation so far by Ted Leland. He has informed the team and the head coach, Joe Wortman, that he will make this recommendation. This recommendation will, in fact, be made in two weeks. It will go on to the president's office. The president will hold on to that for about four weeks. So we're looking at mid-October when a decision is made. There is an online petition going on right now. You can go on and sign it. It's on Volley Talk. I don't know how effective that's going to be. An online petition, great, because it's just too easy for people to sign. Who cares? I don't even know if you're going to find it, whatever. If you really want to save this program, if you want to be a part of trying to keep UOP and trying to keep another Division I men's program in the game, 
you need to call the athletic director or the president at the University of Pacific. Call their office personally and speak to them or at least leave a message. So you're calling Ted Leland, and we'll get you the name of the president here in a second of UOP. We will get you his name, and you need to give him a call. Put him on your list if you're a volleyball fan, if you're a men's volleyball fan in particular. See what you can do to keep UOP alive. So there's a little mission for you. Now you're listening, and now we've got you doing work. So sorry about that. Here we go. Yeah, you had it? It was there. Pamela Abeck. Pamela Abeck. E-I-B-E-C-K. President, University of the Pacific. All right, Pamela. Don't be afraid. You get some calls from the NetLive and the NetLive listeners. So it's Pamela Abeck and Ted Leland. Those are the two individuals you want to call and tell them how you think men's volleyball should remain at their university. Because let's be honest, what can the dollar figure really be? If you're not giving out a bunch of scholarships, your UOP, a travel budget for the team, practice space, we're not talking about a lot of money here in the context of big thinking. What do you think, Brandon? What's the average budget? What do you think the budget might be for UOP? You're a coach. You've got some history. Budget UOP. In the MPSF, travel's not terrible. You have to go to Hawaii, kind of factoring that in. Every other year. I'm probably saying... uh, an average budget for them, I don't know, I think somewhere, not including coach's salary, somewhere around 80000 That's it? I was going to say 200 Nah. No. 80 to 100 Not counting coach's salaries. If you had coach's salaries in there, you probably had coach two assistants, right? That's probably another hundred eighty grand. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking maybe three hundred if you added everything together. I also didn't count scholarships. You know, I don't four know. Four and a half. How a much con- is that? Like eight bucks. They didn't get four and a half. Okay. <laughs> eight bucks. <laughs> I see. I still have a hard time counting that because it's it's. I guess they could put someone else in that slot. Like, oh, we're full, so we would put someone else in there. But it's it, it's an artificial number assigned to that. It's it's there's a profit into that. So they go, oh well, it's forty thousand dollars. Well, how much that's profit? What's your hard cost on that? It's not $40,000 because you're not breaking even over there at any university. Right. You're making cash in most cases. So tough one there. All right. Let's bring in our next guest. We don't have Jeremy, so another music, but we like being in association with an association. And we like to do the College of Volleyball Weekly each week, a review of what was and a preview of what will be in the world of college volleyball. And with us on the line, still Fighting to stay awake, even though it's darn near midnight out there in the eastern part of the country, is Brandon Rosenthal. Brandon, welcome back again, and this is a, kind of a reunion for you and you and Brandon. That's right. You guys are talking about people doing work. That's me. Did you wake up? Work. Did you wake up on the couch just in time for this? For this program, because it sounds like you got kind of a scratchy throat going, and I know you're not like nursing a scotch or something. (laughs) It's my sexy radio voice. (laughs) All right, sexy radio voice. Or maybe we'll call you Nostradamus because you had Creighton against BYU. That was one you wanted to watch, and it was Creighton three-one over the Cougars. 
Yeah, good start by Creighton, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens with them. They climbed the charts this week uh, to, I think, their highest ever ranking. So uh, they got a big matchup uh, at home this week versus Cal on uh, Saturday. So uh, we'll we'll see what uh, Creighton is all about right out of the gates here, um, you know, against a Pac-12 team. All right, so Creighton yet to be tested. I'm looking for the rankings here, but I can't find it. I'm looking for the top 25. There. Okay, Barney, I got it. All right, you got it up there. Good. Good. I'll get there. Here's the rundown. September 2nd, I believe that's when it came out, right? Penn State up at number one, previously number two. Stanford, number two. USC, number three. Minnesota, four. Washington, five. So, hey, how about some Pac-12 representation up there with a little bit of Big Ten? And a good start for Huma Kutchin and the troops there. 4-0, they're up two spots. Then you have Texas, Michigan, Florida, Hawaii. But what about Texas? From one to six? Brandon, that's an awful big move. Yeah, which, it's a big move. Which Brandon are you yeah, talking think, to? Uh, yeah, I mean. Expert Brandon. Me, him? Expert Brandon. You are expert Brandon. <laughs> I think it's a big move, but. You know, I think losing to Hawaii at Hawaii is is no shame in that, and and uh, Texas will climb back up, you know, towards the top as the season moves along. You know, one of the things that we talked about last week was Illinois. Do they deserve to be in or do they deserve to be out? And you know, they had a uh, pretty good weekend going out to uh, Long Beach State. Uh, they beat Kentucky and they beat Florida State. Florida State. Again, one of those teams that uh, I think at the end of the year, you're going to be pretty happy having that win on your schedule. So uh, starting outside the top 25 last week, Illinois moves all the way into number 18, uh, which I think is great. You know, I said, hey, listen, if you deserve to be in, you have to win to get in. And uh, uh, Hambly's group gets in, and uh, we'll be interesting to see you know, uh, what happens with them over the next couple weeks here. Yeah, Illinois trying to climb back to the glory that they saw when they had the pride of Wilmington. And they had uh, Kelly, and his last name is now escaping me, Brandon. Opposite Murphy. Murphy, thank you very much. Hey, speaking of uh, unranked teams jumping into the top 25, North Carolina not going quite as deep as Illinois, but they did get into number 24 on a strength of a 4-0 start. Yeah, and that, you know that's one of those conferences we talked about last week was that ACC, ACC, and uh, you know uh, some good wins. Again, nothing jumps out at you for you know somebody that's just looking at the top twenty-five, but you know a San Francisco team that I think is going to be pretty good this year, and uh, always one of those bubble bursters in Middle Tennessee. Um, they've got, you know, a couple of good tests coming up with Dayton and Ohio. Ohio beating, uh, goodness, who did Ohio beat just the other day? Hold on one second. I'll tell you, Ohio beating Oregon, you know, so, uh, not one of those teams that, uh, you know, Dayton and Ohio, both from the state of Ohio, um, not teams to mess around with. So North Carolina is going to have their hands full uh, with that. I do believe North Carolina gets out of there, 
you know, with W's. I think North Carolina is one of those teams. We had a chance to play them last year, a very, very physical team, one of the probably the most physical teams I've seen in years. Uh, I put them up against a Purdue a couple years ago with a Jacqueline Hart as their setter. I mean, just, you know, it doesn't matter where you look. The physicality is there, and, and they use it to their advantage. So uh, North Carolina is a team that I, you know, easily see climbing the charts. Uh, one of the teams that uh, obviously had a tough weekend was Purdue. And uh, at home, uh, losing two, uh, not a bad loss to USC, but uh, I'm sure a tough loss to uh, Western Kentucky in five. And, and let me tell you right now, Western Kentucky, I know we've all heard of this team, but this is a team not to sleep on. This is probably one of those uh, teams that, uh, is one of my favorite coaches in uh, you know Division One. Uh, Travis does a fantastic job, but Western Kentucky's got a couple of big tests this weekend uh, where they'll play Ohio State and Florida State. Again, Florida State is one of those teams that at the end of the year I think uh, will be <clears throat> right in the mix of everything. Uh, again, out of the ACC, so. Uh, a couple big matches there, uh, Florida State against Western Kentucky. Yeah, Florida State, of course, uh, Final Four not too long ago. What, two seasons ago, if I'm remembering correctly, Florida State being in there? That's right. Okay, Chris Poole, head I coach. San Antonio. I think if my uh, memory is uh, serving me right. All right, how about you? Last... RPI. What's that about the RPI? We don't want to start with that mess already, do we? It's only week number two. no. It's all about RPI already. Yeah, Chris Poole's the master of it, but of course we're starting with this is what it's all about. This is what preseason's all about, oh, non-conference. I just, I just, RPI, I feel like, baby. I feel like I'm taking, the, I'm following the white rabbit and taking the blue pill if I start talking about RPI right now. Yeah, well, I think you got to. I want to stay in the matrix. Don't tell me about real life. Go just down the Leave hole. me in the matrix for a little while. I don't want to. Maybe late November I'll start talking about uh, getting out of the matrix for get, a little while. Get in the hole, Barney. All right. <laughs> All right, Kentucky. You gave us Kentucky and then being out here on the West Coast playing at the Long Beach State Tournament. They went 0-2. How do they come out of this weekend? You know, uh, Kentucky picks up a win against Long Beach State. And, you know, obviously Long Beach State uh, is one of those teams that, uh, you know, from what I understand is is pretty good. Uh, Long Beach State beats Illinois. So, um, you know, I think the win against uh, Long Beach State really helps them. Uh, you know, a tough trip for Skinner and his crew uh, coming out to the West Coast and, and only getting one win. But uh, I'll be interested to see Kentucky has, you know, a tough schedule ahead of them. Uh, this weekend is not as tough, but uh, uh, starting on the 10th, they play Louisville, then the 13th, Pepperdine, then the 14th, Minnesota, and then the 21st, they travel to Nashville to take on the mighty Bisons of Lipscomb University. And, and uh, you know, I think that might be a tough test. Boy, Louisville, Pepperdine, and Lipscomb. The Lady Don't Bears. Don't forget Minnesota, too. Oh, yeah, Minnesota. Hugh McCutcheon, that's his name, right? All right, Minnesota. Well, yeah, think about that. Skinner's got to go up against Hugh and then Rosenthal. Two bald-headed guys. I mean, I think that, he, uh, we should look into it. Based on 
based on what's happened the last couple of AVCA uh, conferences that we've had, the conventions that we've had, he won't know who's on the sideline. He'll probably call you, Hugh, and, and him, uh, Rose. I mean, that's what's going to happen. You two not only are bald and about the same size, but you tend to wear plaid. <laughs> that's right. Hey, great minds think alike. All right. Hey, how, how surprised were you with Hawaii over Texas 3-1? Um, I don't think I'm that surprised. I think that's a tough match. And, again, with the way the rules are, and, and I'm not really sure how the travel schedule, but from what I understand, you're only allowed to travel out 48 hours uh, prior to the match. So, uh, Seven-hour time change. Travel. Yeah. Yeah, tough travel. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't look too much into it. Uh, obviously, we'll see what Texas is all about this weekend, uh, where they'll take on Penn State and Stanford. Uh, and I mean, we're going to see what all three of those teams are all about, you know, Penn State, Stanford, and, you know, Florida uh, in the Nike Big Four Challenge. So uh, that should be pretty exciting to see, you know, really four teams, what's going to happen there. I th- I, I do think you're going to see some movement, uh, you know, I guess if I'm going to predict something, I think uh, Texas has a good weekend, and I think Penn State has a good weekend. I'll be interested to see, you know, Stanford's going to have to do the same travel, but the opposite way. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, it will be interesting to see if they can do that. Uh, but that <clears throat> there will be a little bit of a homecoming for uh, Jordan Burgess, who's going to be traveling back out to Florida, uh, who will be now a sophomore and, and coming off a pretty impressive summer for her. So, uh, it should be a, a fun weekend to watch, especially to see those four programs go at it. Those who don't know Jordan Burgess, uh, outside hitter for Stanford, uh, start as a freshman and continues to play well as a sophomore. And really, I was impressed last year with her defense. Uh, the hitting and stuff, I think you sometimes see that happen, but it was the defense and the prowess in the back row that I, I was really impressed with with Jordan. She's one of those most you know, I think anybody that's watched her over a period of time is just a very natural player and, and somebody that I think is going to have a huge future in our game. Um, you know, I think I was very impressed to see what she did as a freshman in the Pac-12. Uh, no doubt she had the skills, no doubt that she had the, you know, the training and whatnot, but, uh, you know, really impressed just kind of with her, I don't know what you call it, or moxie, if you will, to uh, get into Stanford and and really do what she did last year. I was pretty impressed. I've watched her over the past couple years, so I knew that she had the ability. It was, can she do it at that level? And uh, she proved me, you know, right, wrong, however you look at it. Uh, Very impressed with her. All right, Brandon, you've given us a few matches to look forward to here. Texas versus Penn State, Texas versus Stanford, Western Kentucky going to Ohio State and Florida State. Give us a couple others that we ought to at least put on the radar and check the scores. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, <clears throat> those big four. You know, I think Washington uh, has a it, it, kind of interesting. Washington has the weekend off from what I understand. So I'll be interested to see that as they get ready for a big match against Illinois. Um, you know, a team that really kind of had a great weekend uh, out of the Pac-12 that hasn't really been talked about a lot is Arizona State. 
Uh, and this is a program that's on the rise. Uh, again, another kind of uh, out of the same kind of, you know, uh, group as Hugh McCutcheon with Jason Watson and our good friend Linda, one of our favorites. But, uh, you know, that's a, a, that's a team to watch. They, they don't have a uh, terribly tough schedule this weekend, but, uh, you know, they beat Wichita State this last week in three, which to me is very impressive. They've got a couple of matches down the road with Illinois and Texas coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks. You know, I think uh, – you know, you definitely have got to look at some, you know that uh, group of you know hovering around the top 25. Uh, Auburn makes it in this uh, last week after beating Nebraska. Uh, no doubt, Nebraska is going to be looking for a little bit of revenge uh, as they take on another SEC opponent in Georgia, uh, who I had a chance to see. I, I don't see uh, too much struggle for Nebraska there, and, and it will be interesting to see if Nebraska really can stay in that relevant group. When I say relevant, I, I'm not talking about the Texas, you know, the uh, Stanford, the Penn State. Uh, I think that that's going to be tough as they kind of move through this preseason with that one loss, especially to Auburn. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see what Purdue does. And and when I say see what they do, I'm talking just just purely on a how do they respond to this. Not a terribly tough weekend, but, uh, again, have to go to Notre Dame. I know that will be a, kind of a fun match for them. Uh, and then, obviously, Kentucky. Uh, like I said before, Kentucky has a – uh, tough road ahead of them next week, but uh, I would imagine they go 3-0 and this week as well. I'm trying to uh, just run down a quick matchup that we haven't really touched upon. Uh, I think, you know, the real team out of the ACC is, is Florida State and see what they do against uh, Ohio State and Western Kentucky. That's probably those matchups that I'd like to see. San Diego really kind of sneaks in. That sneaks in, but uh, again, with a, a loss to Texas, not a bad loss. Uh, they beat Hawaii, which is an impressive, but they go up against the Iowa State, Illinois, and then they've got a looming match against USC on the 13th that uh, you know will really tell us what San Diego is all about as well. All right, the early season is a wild time. Penn State number one, Stanford number two, Southern Cal three. Minnesota 4, Washington 5, Texas, Michigan, Florida, Hawaii, and UCLA are your top 10. A couple other notable names you heard mentioned there. Auburn just outside the top 25. Look like they're coming, checking in about 29th. And then Arizona State, yeah, keep your eye on them. They are athletic. They lost a little bit of firepower, but Jason Watson is one of those very good coaches, and Linda Hampton-Keith is not afraid to uh, get in there and voice a Matt Gardhoff production once in a while, when out at convention, so one of the uh, one of the all good all time good friends of the NetLife. She can also recruit a little bit. She can in recruit. Case you a haven't bit. noticed. She's pretty friendly, and I think that they're doing some exciting stuff down there. They have a school to sell. There's no doubt. Arizona State, not a bad place to go. Yeah. Well, the best is yet to come. That they haven't even got the kids that they're getting in yet. Well, they've already signed. Well, I'll see them a couple times this year again. I'll be down there doing their matches. That should be a lot of fun. Rosendahl, you're going to hang on uh, for a little bit here in the show, and uh, we'll chat it up, talk about developing programs and stuff. We understand you have uh, maybe some attention coming your way. Uh, I'm here, man. I mean, I figured uh, we could make a, a J-Box run and uh, call it an evening. 
All right, get yourself a sourdough jack because uh, the Net Live isn't over just yet. We'll be right back here on TNL. Kevin, Brandon, and Brandon. Take that, DJ Roche, Siamese Dream, buddy. Smashing Pumpkins, about 1993. Yeah, for that, 1993. Uh, Siamese Dream, I think it technically came out, yeah, 93. 93, 94, somewhere in there. Uh, Before that was their debut album, Gish, which was, uh, I think, 91. And then uh, Siamese Dream is where they hit big. Yeah, a little bit harder edge on Gish, if you go all the way back. Yeah, a little different. Yeah, they softened up a little bit, and then they had they could waffle back and forth. If you go up to the double disc, then uh, they kind of had two sides of things: melancholy and the infinite sadness. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, they peaked at Siamese Dream, but that, that was a masterpiece. Billy Corgan, you may have seen him on uh, the early editions of the Net Live in the Who Does This Look Like? He and Phil Dalhauser separated at birth. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very close. Look the picture up. I will. I'll do it. Hey, a couple corrections. Uh, the first one is uh, Kelly Murphy actually played for the <laughs> University of Florida. You were thinking of Colleen Ward. He oh, was in Naperville North. Ward. So just wanted to correct that. That's what it was, yeah. Make sure the record was straight. The other thing Thanks, is... Thanks, Reality. Yeah, no problem. The other thing is it's not a sourdough jack. The order was a jumbo jack with two tacos. So that's kind of the jam. Well, that's your order. I'm going sourdough, Jack. I'm going into like an oil face immediate pimplage. You know, those are for people who live through the canyon. Um, If you're on campus at Pep or live in the Malibu area, you're pretty much going yumbo yak, jumbo jack. Uh, You know, and from the latest reports, Fire Marshal Bill still works there. Colleen, who, who was I thinking of? Uh, Colleen Ward, Colleen Ward, Ward. Illinois. That's who I was thinking of. That's who I was. Yeah, but Kelly Murphy is the pride of Wilmington, Illinois. But Colleen Ward is from Naperville North. 
you guys can uh yeah, you guys are right. I kind of blew it when I had the opportunity. I could have thrown their last question. Who's the best athlete ever to come out of Naperville North? You or me? <laughs> we all know the answer to that one. Yeah, Colleen Ward. <laughs> Anyways, Brandon Rosenthal's still hanging in there, and we hope you're hanging in there and listening to the show. We don't always talk about volleyball on this program, but we're going to talk a little bit about it because we have a couple of guys here right now who you may not know Brandon Rosenthal took his program from is it six and ninety one, Brandon? Six and ninety one in the previous three years before you were hired. Is that uh is that six, accurate? Six six and eighty four. Six and eighty four, I'm sorry, I was way off. Uh and then yes. have, have built yeah, it into a multi time Atlantic Sun champion. And we have uh Brandon Hika here who is head coach at Cal Baptist University, who is uh, just now in the second year of his uh, head coaching regime. So I thought it might be interesting to talk to you guys and here we have you in the middle of season. This is a uniquely hard time. How do you manage your time right now? Uh, Rosenthal, how do you manage it differently today than you did when you first got the job? Uh, it's funny. Both he and I just talked about this recently. Um, you know, I think it, it's your first year, you know, you're so consumed by it, you don't even realize what's going on around you. And then as years two, three, four, five kind of roll around, you realize just how much is going on and and the little things. I think, you know, as you get into now my 11th year as the head coach, I, I just don't think you allow things to bother you as much as, as they did, you know, in years two, three, four, five. Uh, and that's just because, you know, you know, you kind of been down that road before. I think uh, in years two, three, four, five, everything is crucial. You know, it, no matter how big or how small the decision or the problem or the challenge, it's it it just just weighs on you so much. I think later in in your career, and when I say later, I mean just after ten years, you've been through it so many times that. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, I know how to deal with this. I've, I've dealt with it many of times and kind of moved through it, uh, and it doesn't weigh on you as much. But, yeah, the, the time factor is quite a bit, and uh, it it can be scary at times. And when I say that, I don't mean life or death. I mean, it just if you don't, if you're not careful, it will overtake you. Yeah. Brandon, how about you in your second year? Where are you seeing that you wasted a lot of time in your first year? Wow, well, I don't even know where to begin with that question. I don't, I don't know if it's wasted time. You know, I, I think... Uh, Misplaced focus? Well, just trying to figure things out, you know. And I, I think for me the biggest thing was um, I had a lot of uh, very big ideas, very ambitious ideas. And uh, I've got me and an assistant coach, and we we're lucky to have a good volunteer last year, but it was more about I'm trying to do too much and not, you know, the year two has been a lot more, okay, we're going to focus on what we need to focus on, try to do the things that we need to do better, and stop chasing around so many different things, you know. But year one, the, the, the temptation is just, hey, now that I'm the head guy, now that I've got, got the, the, the steering wheel here, I've always wanted to do this, 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 and this, and we're going to just go for it, you know. So 
uh, I found myself starting initiatives for the program and then not being able to hold on to them. So you, you, you have them going for a week, two weeks, a month, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, we haven't done this in like three weeks, you know. Like so many careers or so many things, and you see it from the outside, it doesn't appear to have a tremendous amount of complexity to it. Were there parts of the job, what were the parts of the job that you didn't anticipate taking up so much of your focus and time and attention? Uh, to be honest, I think the first part is just management of people. Uh, you know, we have a small staff, managers. Physically uh, small, or are there just a couple? No, it's do you have couple. like Oompa Loompas working for you? No. Okay. No, we, we, we've got my assistant coach is pretty tall, so that's good. Um, you know, management of people and personnel, um, and honestly, the, it, it takes a lot of time not to deal with the situation at the, at the point, but mulling through it over and over again, taking it home with you, staying up at night with it. All those things are, you know, if I could do something different – Last year and even today, it's if I could just make decisions quicker, you know, if I could just, if I didn't have to go backwards and forwards with this and worry about every little effect that it has on your program, I'd probably sleep a little bit easier and uh, be a little more efficient just with processing of, of things from day to day. But, you know, I think where I am as a coach, uh, I don't think it's bad, but it's, it's, I worry about a lot and I'm, Barney, you've known me for a long time. I've never been a worrier. I've always been free and easy uh, until I got this job, and that's when I started <laughs> worrying about things. Now you've been corrupted. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brad Rosenthal, are you hearing some very familiar territory? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's funny to hear it because you know when you're going through it for the first time you know, for whatever reason, you think you're the only one that's ever gone through this. And, you know, you hear it. And he has been there since day one for me. So, you know, he's heard my kind of trials and tribulations and, you know, the, the, the uh, just challenge of making a decision and moving forward is one of those things that, you know, I think now I've become a lot better at, but yeah, at the time, you struggle with every single. Not, I, I shouldn't say struggle. You just uh, you that decision weighs on you so much more. And uh, you know, looking back on some of those decisions now, it, it's somewhat laughable just because you wouldn't spend a tenth of the time on it uh, that you did back in the days. But you know, again, going through it for the first time. I mean, you're really just trying to survive, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, I think the, probably the biggest misconception, uh, and, and he gets us up on it, is coaching is very little to do with X's and O's. I mean, I know we've talked about that on this program. You know, I think early on and when you're trying to establish a program, I would literally put X's and O's at maybe 8% of your job. Uh, it, it really has more to do with being a great manager, bring, being a great leader, a visionary, you know, all those things way before, you know, uh, the X's and O's. Are you a manager of people more than you are a coach necessarily? I think without a doubt. I think, uh, you know, you're, you're a manager of your staff. You're a manager of 
uh, young adults uh, going through a, a really cool time in their life. Um, you know, I think I just talked about this today with our new assistant coach, Ann Arms. Uh, the ability to be wrong and to to admit that you're wrong is huge. And I think as young athletes in their you know 18, 19 year old age, they don't really get that. But at 20, 21, 22, they're looking for that because they're looking uh, because they they've been through it long enough to realize, man, somebody that's willing to admit they're wrong is exactly who I want to be playing for because I'm going to make mistakes. And if I'm going to make mistakes, uh, I want somebody else that's going to go for it as well and make mistakes and admit it. Yeah, that's a good point. And and trying to learn how to deal with different situations, how to deal with different people, Brandon, who have you looked to for advice? Who have you sought out and how have you identified those people? Because you weren't a guy who – who wanted to be an assistant volleyball coach forever and then wanted to be a head coach, uh, you had a series of circumstances that came up and kind of opportunities that were offered, and, and here you found yourself in charge of a team that really had no record of success and no place of uh, place or no special place inside your, your university and your athletic department, and you've created all that. Where have you gone to kind of source information on how to go about creating your program? Uh, you know, I think a lot of it was just being able to ask questions, uh, you know. Uh, Not I've being afraid to, to ask questions? Yeah, that's what I should say. You know, obviously kind of when I first took the job, Marv Dumpy was a huge uh, help to me. And uh, kind of in an ironic place, I never played for Marv. So <laughs> it wasn't like – you know, I was on the bus with Marv for all these years. I mean, literally, it was through the friendships that I had with you guys that, uh, you know, I, again, literally reached out to Marv uh, as not a player, as not a, you know, but a guy that sat in the stands quite a bit and watched practice and watched games and, and matches and things like that, that, you know, I, I was able to ask questions. And then the network of people that, you know, came with Marv. I, I mean, I still to this day remember the first time I went recruiting and uh, Jeff Stork was, you know, he had just gotten a job at uh, Cal State Northridge, but I had no idea what I was doing. And, and he pulled me aside and helped me. And then, you know, so it was kind of this small network of people that I knew that, you know, I really, you know, I, I to be honest with you, I think networking is probably the biggest thing that has helped me, you know, over the years. And, and that was a skill that, I was pretty good at uh, throughout college and then uh, really tried to work on after college, and, and it has helped me tremendously, you know, immensely and tremendously, uh, you know, as far as just getting better. And, yeah, I just made a, I just made a word up. Tremendously. It's helped me tremendously. Hey, you, yeah. It's hey, kinda, you, you can it's use that like your that speech <laughs> Tremendously. All right, Higa, I want to talk to you a little bit about the, the social aspect of things, and I'm glad Brandon brought up the, the networking side of things because I go to convention. I've been to convention now three or four years, I think, and I I never knew the scale of the thing until I was there. And you guys as coaches not only have convention, but you have all these big tournaments that you many of you attend all over the country, and you're there looking at athletes and recruiting for this year, for the following year, for the year after, and on down the line. 
Um, describe for me the social hierarchy and interaction between coaches and how you wedged yourself in there in your varying roles for the different universities. Well, it's a, going to these uh, club tournaments is just, you know, I, I think the first thing is if you're recruiting, you know, it's a lifestyle and – a lot of times, especially in qualifier season, late February to end of April, you're spending as much time, actually you're spending a lot more time with your fellow coaches than you are actually with your family. Hence all the relationships that we see around the, the world of volleyball. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, it's uh, you know, I, I think it's a great thing. I think we're pretty lucky as volleyball coaches to, to be in a community that's that's generally honorable, that has, uh, I guess, good good social skills, um, and, and people realize we're all in the same boat. Let's get together, support each other, and, uh, you know, enjoy the process. Um, but there's definitely a hierarchy. There's definitely some figuring out that, that gets done as you start going to these tournaments. And, um, you know, what Rose touched on about networking, I mean, that's, you know, if you're a young coach, for, for all the people that graduate from programs that I've been a part of that talk about, hey, I want to be, be a coach, you know, I tell them, hey, get in where you can, but you've got to meet people. You've got to beg to be on the road recruiting as much as possible because that's where these connections and, and these relationships get formed. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not sure if there's a, there's a strict hierarchy in the sport of volleyball when you're out there's on the no road There's no caste system? No, there's no I mean, untouchables. You, you know, I, I actually think it there's kind no of, house elves. I don't think there's house. Well, no. <laughs> but you know, if there if there is a hierarchy system, it's it's done a lot more by reputation and what you've done. You know, because we have, you know, my generation and I think Rose's generation, you know, we have the masters that are still in the sport. You know, the Sojis, the Russ Roses, um, all those people, the Dunnings, who have kind of it's this whole generation of excellence that's still there. And then we have, uh, you know, some, some middle generation and some up-and-comers. And I think, you know, guys like Brandon Rosenthal are definitely, uh, you know, leading the charge of kind of kind of the young core of coaches that are coming up. So there's a little bit of hierarchy there. But um, people are amazingly accessible if you find a chance to come talk to them in, in the right situation. And, you know, that's, that's just one of the, another one of the great reasons why this sport is – it's great to work in and great to be a part of. All right, so give me a Voldemort and a Dumbledore. Uh-huh. Well, if you get this hierarchy there and you get the old masters, who's Dumbledore? Who's Dumbledore? Um, That's you, the easy one. You, you have to understand, I've, I've been under a rock for, for a long, long time, and my mind is just mush, so uh, and I only read the first four Harry Potter books. Nice pass. Yeah. Rosenthal, can you give me a Dumbledore? Can you give me an old sage master of volleyball? You know, I think <clears throat> I'd probably, if I'd pick one, I'd probably say John Dunning. Uh, you know, I've talked with him a couple times. I don't know him particularly well, but every time I've talked to him, I, I come away with, like, this wild feeling, you know. Uh, and a pack of jelly beans that like, taste like various terrible things? I guess, you know, it's, the chat uh, board's going wild right now. I bet. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> he's a uh, he's definitely one of those guys that's uh, been around and and seen a lot. So I mean, uh, he knows a lot more than I do. That's for sure. 
Can we can we come up with a Voldemort? Or is this going to sink people? I don't know. Mm. A Darth Vader? Can we come up with a, a an a evil Darth, character? A Darth Vader. Like somebody yeah. just walks in the room and you're just like, oh, crap. That guy's here? I, th- I think each individual program probably has their Darth Vader. Probably the one that's like, <laughs> man, I thought I had this gym all staked out, and here comes someone else in my conference. thought I was going to be the only guy. So I guess I think Darth Vader, uh, you know, he kind of varies from time to time. Like, I know who Rose's I'll Darth Vader what. would be, but I'm probably not going to say it on the air. <laughs> that's I'll no fun. I, 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 would, I wouldn't say a uh, Darth Vader character. I would say here's a guy that kind of – goes to his own beat and and really does a real nice job of that and that's Chris Lamb at Wichita State. I think he's uh uh one of those guys that the first time I talked to him uh, I just I, I really didn't even know what was going on when I was talking to him. Uh <laughs> and and as I learned more about him he's just a he's really an interesting kind of cat and uh uh really does his own thing and and is not worried about what other people think about it and uh has been really successful and and somebody that you know if you really sit and watch uh it continues to do great things you know at a higher level each and every year so uh i i wouldn't put him in a Darth Vader but i would definitely put him in a in a category that you know what he's going to do it his way and 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 really doesn't care if you like it or not and, uh, you know, I I admire that. Okay. I like that one. All right, Rose, here's another question. Who's the Darth Maul? You know, that that coach that just rolls up on you and it's like, man, I cannot shake this person off me. And they're just chatting you up all the time. You don't have to answer that question. It's <laughs> kind of a tough question to answer. Right there. You can't be doing that. But there are people like that who you're like, oh, man, this person just won't stop talking to me. Uh, of course, the the great nickname, the Mad Scientist, uh, dumped on Jim Moore of Oregon. That was a fun one. I don't know Darth Vader. I I, I love Russ Rose, and and I love what the success that Russ Rose has had. But Russ Rose to me always kind of seems like like that guy that that he is in charge, that he he has the Death Star humming, and maybe the Death Star is not a good example because it always gets blown up. <laughs> The, and Penn State always he's wins. A Bill Belichick. Yeah, he's a little bit Belichick. Because if you don't if you don't talk to Russ a little bit more, you'd think he's completely dismissive and rude. But if you stand there and talk to Russ for a while, you start to hear the wit, the humor, the kind of wry grouchiness of him, which is hilarious. And and he's always holding court at convention every year. And I I've always enjoyed his interactions with us here on this program. He's always kind of funny and honest and direct, and and I like that about him. But but I, I look at Penn State in that program, and I just think to myself, really? You're dominating again? You're going to win another Big Ten championship? Oh, you're going to go to the finals again? I've had enough of this. Can we get rid of the empire? Like, can we get somebody else in there? And it's it's no disrespect to them. It's just it's kind of like the 49ers of the 80s. It's like, no more, guys. I want to see a different helmet out there. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys, uh, the first time that I was able to have dinner with him and a, a group of the coaches, found myself sitting there thinking, wait, I'm having dinner with Russ Rose. And, and uh, it sounds kind of silly, but, you know, I, I think it's, it's like you said, for people that have never talked to him, uh, you know, he's not one of those guys 
Uh, he's very friendly, you know, and saying hi, but he's not one of those guys that, uh, you know, to me is super approachable, you know. Right. And, and I, don't, I don't have a, a big fear to go talk to people, but that's not one of those guys I'm just going to roll up on. And, and, you know, some of that is just, again, his aura. The aura of his success, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I hate to put Darth Vader on him, but I would, I would probably put more Bill Belichick, you know. Plus, you know, he wears the sweater and, you know, things like that. Well, okay, here's here's the thing, though. I, I think with Russ, if you don't know him, if you're just a, a coach coming up, you're, you're at convention, you see Russ there, you're like, oh, my God. I think you might view him kind of like Vader because of because of the way he moves around and because of what he's commanded. But if you get to know him, he's really not. He's funny as all get out, and and yeah. probably the best part is he's as direct as all get out. So uh, be prepared if you're going to ask a question. <laughs> uh, he's going to answer it and doesn't really care. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say it that way because I don't know him all that well. But the would it be better if you said doesn't really give a yeah. care? Yeah, <laughs> I mean he just. He's a little more of a wrestling actor, right? And, and when you first hear it for the first time, uh, you're kind of like, "Did he? Did he just say that?" And <laughs> then you realize, "Yeah, yeah, he did." And uh, what are you going to do about it? You know, that's no. how we. That's how we felt on this show when Doctor Gervais dropped the first ever f bomb on the uh, the Net Live program. That was a good one. All right, switch <laughs> topics for just a second. Give me, uh, give me some good young coaching talent out there. Some folks that. Brandon and Brandon, I'll let both let you both have a shot at this. But folks that you guys know, who you think really have a bright future, that maybe aren't quite on the radar of the average volleyball fan yet. Rosenthal, Rose, you can take this one. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I admire people that get after it, uh, work ethic wise. And uh, a person that's a an assistant coach now that I think will eventually be a, a good head coach, and she's been on the show before, is uh, Shannon Wells at Ole Miss. I think she does a tremendous job. I think Eve Rock, Rackham at North Carolina uh, is about as good a recruiter as, as there is out there, uh, somebody that just – continues to find great talent and, and kind of melds it into their uh, program. You know, I think uh, head coaching-wise, mm, you know, I think it's uh, – you've got to take a look. I think uh, I, I, I think a lot of Skinner, and I think he's going to move into that next group, that group, uh, you know, that top group here in the next couple years. Uh, I, I don't think that uh, his success is any coincidence. I think it's it's a lot of hard work and a lot of, um, you know, just. That's Craig mindset. Skinner at Kentucky, for those that uh, don't follow along. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, it, it's interesting to watch Kelly Sheffield. Uh, another one of those guys that, uh, if you don't know him, is kind of perplexing, uh, but has had a lot of success, had success at Albany, had success at Dayton. Uh, I think will 
have success at Wisconsin, uh, and and kind of one of those people that I think will again move up into that next category. Um, you know, I think young coaches maybe that haven't really gotten, uh, you know, uh, gosh, I'll think of I'll think of one as he kind of gives his names. Hey, did you think of any in that, in that haze of names there? Yeah, I'm done. Go for it, Rose. <laughs> no, that's that's good. There's some some folks out there. I mean, there's still a good wealth of solid talent that we already know. I mean, good young talent. We can still say they're young. Mike Seeley at UCLA, um, Kevin Hambly at Illinois. They're they're gonna be around for a long time. Hugh McCutcheon still not that old. He's gonna be around for a long time. I mean, there's three guys right there that you think of. Oh, these have been long-term guys. But Seeley's only in the job what third year. Right now at UCLA? Yeah. All right. I, I mean, those, are, those yeah. are guys that come to mind right off the top for me. I think there's another group Jason of Watson are, is not that old. Got to mention earlier at Arizona State. Right. I think there's a bunch of people as well that are in, you know, we talk a lot about the power conferences and, uh, you know, the, the big football conferences. But there's, a, there's just a whole crew of guys that are guys and girls that are in, like, this mid-major category that it's like, gosh, these, are, these guys are – these people are one job away from – really making things interesting, you know, and I think for me, someone whose name comes up is Tom Black. I mean, he's positioning himself, like he's gone through the progression, junior college to D2 to a D1 and and taking that LMU program and getting him back to the tournament. Now, Assistant coach for USA Women? Yeah, I mean, he's positioning himself to get a big job in a place that could, you know, that he could do great things with. But there, there's, a whole, there's a whole crew like that, though, that – they're just waiting for the right job to come along. Hey, don't let me leave Jared Elliott off that list either at Texas, yeah. coming off their national title. Jared Elliott, not that old, still, uh, what, mid-40s. For a coach, he's yeah. got 20 more in him. When you talk about young talent, I'm thinking kind of more along the lines of Higa is, is somebody that's not in one of these programs that has a huge name. I think of – a guy named Mike Johnson, who's mm-hmm. a, a West Coast guy that uh, spent some time out with uh, <clears throat> Jim McLaughlin at Washington, took over, you know, a small program at Austin P, and then uh, is now at Xavier. And uh, it, talk about a mad scientist! This guy has a, a, a if I remember correctly, a biomecular uh, degree. And, biomecular and, uh, is. Yeah, I'm making words up tonight. So don't worry about it. All right? It's like that's, 3 o'clock in the morning here. Okay? That's tremazing. Tremazing? Tremazing and biomecular. Tremazing. I am the ambassador of making up words. So, hey, uh, you know what? It, it, it's just another blimp on the radar for Rose, dude. <laughs> yeah, another blimp on the radar. But, yeah, Mike Johnson is a guy that, uh, again, that, uh, you know, as I kind of – watch things does a real nice job and uh it, it really kind of i think gets it and i think uh you know as he was saying is one of these guys that in the next round will have one of the bigger name jobs as you know people go on i think you've got to look at christy johnson uh i think lizzie stemke is another one that is with georgia now uh you know who was formerly of Nebraska, played at Wisconsin. Um, you know, so I, I I think she's probably one of these people. I think Lizzie Stemke is probably one of these people that uh, 
uh, on the female side doesn't get mentioned enough, and she's very young into her career and uh, I think is just going to do some big things. I wonder if you're going the Antoine Dobson route here, uh, Rosenthal, with all the stuff you're you're making up. Is that another uh, Harry Potter reference? No, uh, oh, that is not no. Dobie the House Elf. Antoine Dobson, anyone? Rosenthal, anyone? I, I, yeah. I Hudson was sleeping on his... Here he is. That's when he heard a scream from her bedroom. Seeing my sister, when I walked in, he had his hands around her neck. And I, I first thing was to pull him off of her. And that's what I did. The attacker climbed on the ledge of Dodson's unit. <laughs> this is from your neck of the woods, Rosenthal. Went straight to Kelly Dodson's room and crawled in beside her. Either you was a crackhead or you were tired. You was a crackhead. You did it for something, you know what I'm saying? It just ain't because I'm pretty. I know that. Dodson's brother says he got a good look at the attacker's face. He was about 5'9", Coffee complexion. He had a low cut like a Caesar with some little waves in his head. Clean cut, very smooth face. Well, obviously we have a rapist in Lincoln Park. He's climbing in your windows. He's snatching your people up, trying to rape them. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. Are you... <laughs> That is tremazing. Barnett, you just went Kelsey lately on us. <laughs> I mean, was that the I best? I mean, we just, we just... Wow. That was one of the best. I mean, it, it, if we want to talk about top quotes from this century, I mean, yeah. they've got to be in the top six. They raping everybody? Hide your, hi, hide yeah. your wife, hide your husband? Yeah. They raping everybody out here? I mean, wow. I mean, they made it into a song. That was tremazing. <laughs> it's tremazing. That was tremazing. <laughs> Another blimp on the radar. <laughs> Trying to think of some other phrases like that that people traditionally use completely out of the ordinary. Some mixed metaphors. Yeah. Vanilla envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> vanilla envelopes. I'm going to eat me some of them yeah. vanilla envelopes. Those look tasty. The, there's no doubt. And uh, supposedly. Supposedly. Uh, that's enough. Yeah, supposedly. That's an, uh, another big one I've heard. Well, it's closer to how it's spelled. It's not supposedly. It's not how it's spelled. I didn't know there was well, a V in there, bro. Supposedly. That's what I'm saying, but people say it all the time. Yeah. And there's stuff like that. All right, let's get back to volleyball for just a second because the USA women have finished up their World Grand Prix. It's been... Uh, Around the world in 335 days for the USA women. The tournament was seven and a half months long, featured uh, 42 and a half matches. It was a half match because they just called it at the end. Everyone was too tired. But they did go finish the final round there in Japan. It was held in Sapporo. Finished up September 1st, at least the byline is here. The United States finished up with a win over Japan in five sets, 15-12 in the fifth. So that would be their only win in the final round. Hmm, an interesting result for the multi-time Grand Prix champions. They went one and four in that final round. Difficult uh, for the United States. And uh, guys, do you think this means anything? No. I, I think that <laughs> next I mean, happens. No. <laughs> I think. I, I just think it means that you know. Again, you've been a part of that. It's so long. And, uh, you know, I think Karch is, you know, again, moving up the seat 
really figuring out how he wants to do things and how he wants to manage people. Uh, I think it's great experience, but I don't think it means anything at all. I, I predict, you know, the women to be back in metal contention, you know, in another two and a half, three years, I guess. Yeah, I think it's pretty astute uh, observation, astute, astute observation of the situation because uh, I'm with you. means nothing. First year, who cares? We're playing with rosters. We're, we're working on everything. It's, it's not a big deal. Brazil did win World Grand Prix. Congratulations to them. Good for them. Uh, the American women will move on next to play in North Seca. That's going to happen in Omaha. going to be big, real big. When real is big. When is that? That's a fine question, Brandon. It's coming up pretty quick here. We'll find the date for you here. I'll get it up there. Chat board normally is on top of these things. We've been missing uh, BJ Evans. She's, uh, she's normally on there taking care of us with all this stuff. Well, wake her up. Yeah, seriously. It's not that late in Colorado, for crying out loud. 11.30, geez. Yeah. People? Yeah. But that live's on. Hey, maybe maybe we can do like B&B and the pimp crew used to do and just start making phone calls. I knew. That was our radio tip. I knew that was coming up. I knew there was no way you could get away from that. You know, speaking of B&B and the pimp crew, have you ever tried to do a contest a la B&B and the pimp crew, like, you know, hide, say, uh, a tray or something down at the beach and have them bring it back to the home court and you give them a prize, like a hug or a slap on the keister or a NetLive T-shirt? <laughs> Wait a minute. Those were the first two prizes, either a hug or a slap on the keister? Maybe both. You could say ass on this show. It's all right. Uh, September 16th. Both were very acceptable. <laughs> September 16th to September 21st. And thanks to Unrated for being the uh, king of the chat board here tonight. He's posting stuff. Yeah, damn it, BJ. <laughs> so the United States, actually, the, the, the schedule just announced is going to face off with Mexico in Pool B. That will happen September 16th. And then it looks like September 18th they will face off with Cuba. Also in Pool B, and then we will head on into the classification section. The quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals will be held on the subsequent three days, 19th, 20th, and 21st. So if you are anywhere near Nebraska, and that means you, Denver, get up there, drive up to Omaha, and see this event. It is going to be a good one. On a side note, um, is that? go ahead, Rosie. I'm about to go side note. No, I was just going to ask, was that a shout-out to Trash? Josh Crozier needs to be there. Yeah, side note. Uh, side note, um, you know, while the USA women's team has been busy losing World Grand Prix, they have made, I think, a rather significant uh, contribution to the volleyball lexicon. You know, I, I know the McCutcheon era was... Uh, tremazing. Uh, it was tremazing. They they were talking about cooperation and cooperation yeah cooperation stuff rainbows like and ponies all that other stuff I, mm -hmm. I think the car chair has officially made its first contribution the fleen a fleen we, we've been cbu volleyball has been going crazy about the fleen so you know if you want to youtube fleen and uh play that uh you'll be enlightened uh your girl jenna Haglin is actually on there f-l-e-a-n um I spelled it wrong already. You sure did. I had it like spleen, but it's fleen. It's it, like lean. What does that spleen. mean? Now I sound like Dr. Seuss. Well, now you're going to have to play it, and they'll explain to you what it is. But um, I, I think it's a, absolutely a significant contribution. We're going to serve a lot of aces because we've been working on our fleen. And uh, as a matter of fact, flown? That's not like, 
Go to YouTube. Definition. Go to YouTube. I can't do it. You can't go to YouTube? Hold on. Just a moment. Sometimes this show goes sideways, what, but it's it, late. It doesn't it, matter. This isn't about volleyball. It's about the flea. No, this right here? I've got flea playing bass. That's what I've got. I have no fleen. Thanks a lot. All right, tell F -L -E -A -N. me. F-L-E-A-N. Yes. F-L-E-A-N. I've got it. Rosenthal apparently has something, but all I keep getting is flea. All right. Fleen. Fleen. F-L-E-A-N. Come on, Barney? F-L-E-A-N? F-L-E-A-N. Fleen. Come on. Unrated's probably already got it pulled up. Yeah, oh, I'm sure Unrated's got it. There we oh, go. Who right has there. the best fleeing? USA Women's National Team. Here we go. Here we go. Can we get some sound on it? We got a little sound on it right now. Rosenthal, turn down whatever you're watching. Cop show or whatever that is. He's, got watching. It. He's learning about the Who fleeing. has the best fleeing on this team? Oh. Ooh, the best fleeing. Bill Kaufman. USA V on, on the spot here. It's so hard. There's so many. Uh, I'd say toss it between. Kristen Hillebrand Cass answering. And. Jenna. Cassie Lickman, Jenna Haglin. Who has the best fleen? Here's Jenna Haglin. Oh, who has the best fleen? I think Cass. Cass and Tim. The best fleen. It's gnarly. All right. Now explain. Uh, now explain fleen. Oh. Okay, so fleen is our serving key right now, and it's a combination of being flat, so low to the tape of the net, and clean, so no spin and a really flat contact. So Kim Hale and Cass right now are nailing it. So there you go, boys. Fleen. That's what a fleen is. And I, I just want to... I never had a good fleen. No, you, you had the opposite of that. That's for sure. Uh, Clone. <laughs> I, I, I just want to throw this out there right now because I know all these USA Volleyball players are listening. Um, you know, CBU in our gym, we've been working on our fleen big time. And, and we think we actually have a contender. So I'm just throwing out a challenge. Any of you USA Volleyball kids want to uh, take the, the short drive up to Riverside? It's about 30 minutes. Come on up, show up in our gym. It's open, uh, and and we'll have a fleen contest and get it on right then and there to determine who has the best fleen. We think we have a couple people who can give you a run for your money. So, putting it out there, fleen contest, Van Dyne Gym, anytime. Boom, do it. Thrown down the fleen. gauntlet. How's Karch doing a press conference? Let's see. Got Karch and a presser here. Is he is he really animated? Is this something? I don't know. I haven't seen him. I've been working on my fleen. <laughs> Good evening. First of all, congratulations to Japan. They played a great game. It's always a battle. When Kristen Hildebrandt logging a lot of time here. Captain. Really right. happy for my team and really proud of everybody that came in off the bench and made a contribution. It's been a, it's been a challenging week for Team USA. And I'm really proud of the way that we played tonight and we fought, especially in the This is that World Grand Prix final. Thank you. All right, that was Kristen. Here comes Karch. Uh, this has been a, uh, a challenging week, finals week. He's not we happy. Four straight matches. Oh, can't imagine. And we knew that we would face a very strong Japan team. So I'm uh, very happy for the way my team, the way Team USA fought. Um, Is he going to mention the fleeing? Fought very hard. Every, every player on our team made a contribution. All four teams, and uh, it's good to end on a positive note. After yes, Karch, it is good to end on a positive note. <laughs> I like that. 
wonder if, wonder if Karch and I are going to be doing the uh, Big West Volleyball again this year. We'll have to see if that works out for Fox. You know, I had a chance to do that before. Unrated, you're all over it, dude. You're killing it tonight. Way to go. All right, well, we've gone amazing. We've introduced you to uh, Biomecular, and we've provided yet another blimp on your radar. <laughs> Uh, by the way, just for the record, Mike Johnson majored in chemical engineering for people who are keeping score at home. So. Not biomecular. Yeah, it's close. Ochem. Right. It sounds so much better, though, biomecular. <laughs> it sounds like he built some sort of a droid or a, or a Terminator. If, you, if you're a biomecular engineer, you definitely built a Terminator. Barney, you're dying to get to some sort of comic convention. I mean, <laughs> we, you, you've been forcing the Star Wars, the Harry, Harry Potter... Harry Penner. I don't know why it is I have to force Harry Potter and uh, Star Wars on you. You're m as much a nerd as I am. Yeah, well. By the way, biomecular is a real term, okay? Oh, uh, gosh. Just... You know what? Hey, Rose. <laughs> no way. Rose, <laughs> a listen, real term? Listen, get yourself boggle for the iPad, okay? Go get yourself boggle. Biomecular engineering. No, no. No. Get boggle for the iPad. Because no, dude. here's all you have to do. <laughs> Biomecular isn't, dude. Biomolecular, maybe. To me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Biomecular. Here's what you do. You, the the boggle on the iPad, you, you shake it up, you get the thing going, just start tracing anything. And you go, oh, yeah, I knew that word. Yeah, fleasinator. Yeah, I know what a fleasinator is. Boy, that's a uh, thousand points in boggle. Like, they'll have a puzzle, and there'll be 175 words in the puzzle. You don't know what 170 of them are. you got five words. you got it, cat, that, and went. I mean, that's all you have. And, that's and a all word of a sudden, as well. I, I didn't know that's a word. <laughs> oh, man. All right, it's late. We're done with this program, gentlemen. That is a word. We've gone two hours. Thanks for looking it up. Thank, big thanks to Emily Day for coming on the program, and congratulations once again to her and her partner, Summer Ross. I will be wearing the Summer Ross T-shirts as well as the Emily Day Is Bombs Away hat next time you see me yeah. here in the NetLive studio. AVP Cincy has happened. Another AVP event coming up shortly. The USA women are back. Norseka is next for them. That coming up here in the middle of the month. So we wish the USA women good training and success there in Norseka as they try and qualify for a Grand Champions Cup. For the men, they will try and do the same. They will try and qualify for a Grand Champions Cup as well. Remember, get out there and call. Call the AD. Call the president of UOP. Ted Leland is the AD. And you need to get a hold of the president as well and tell him that you want UOP Volleyball to be saved. I want to thank DJ Jeremy Roche for checking in. I want to thank Brandon Rosenthal for calling in late night from back there in Nashville. And Brandon Higa for driving over from the uh, city of Riverside. Sorry we couldn't get you a 30-degree reduction here in temperature, only about a 15 right now. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. It's been fun, boys and girls. I hope you had a good time, and we will see you again uh, perhaps next week with the show. We're still working on end of summer schedule, but we'll get right back on it. More College Volleyball Weekly and other great volleyball out there being played. It's fun. Summer's just finishing up, but get out one more weekend. Thanks a lot, folks. Talk to you.